Good morning to each of you, and God bless each of you. It's been good to be with you all again. It's blessed by uh, the singing and the Sunday school time and comments uh, made Steve on the tongue. Been encouraged uh, by each of you sharing. I have a sermon this morning entitled, Where Are the Nine? And I'm assuming that you all recognize those words. Those are words of Jesus and a very powerful and rich story in the Bible of the ten lepers. But Jesus, in, that, uh, in those words, reveals uh, there's part of that story which we want to look at this morning that I believe reveals the heart of God, and Jesus just uh, saying, where are the nine? There really ought to be ten, but there's one, and I believe uh, we can see into the heart of God and the uh, challenge that we can get from that story on, on Thanksgiving and thanks living, uh, making and an experience of our life to, to live a life of gratitude and praise. Lee opened up the service this morning with the song. I don't know if any of you remember the song, but I think of it every time I hear we sing that song. I owe the Lord a morning song. I owe the Lord a morning song. And that song was written by Amos Herr. Someone shared this, and I was challenge and encouraged by uh, that song. We sang it. We sing it many times. Uh, Amos Herr wrote that song, if I have the details right, uh, on a morning of a huge snowstorm, a blizzard, where everything was shut and he was home and he uh, wrote that song. And I, I am challenged. I don't know Amos Herr. I, I just think of that whenever we sing that song, that he was very productive on a morning of uh, a snowstorm, living a life of praise and gratitude, even amidst uh, snowstorms and difficulties of life, we can still produce uh, things for God. And here we are today, because of Amos Hur waking up on a morning facing difficulty, he sat down and the Lord moved him to write a song, and we sing it today yet. So just a, an encouraging uh, part of that song that uh, we can as well be productive in, in times like that. Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 17, verses 11 to 19, and you can all stand for the reading of the scripture. Something a little different, but... Uh, Luke 17... Verse 11, and it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee, and as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten, lep ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off, and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourself unto the priests. Came to pass as they went there, went they were cleansed. 
And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. And he fell on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus answered, said, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. You may be seated. Where are the nine? Or where are the other nine? Many people, including myself, receive the gifts from God and, and we go on our way forgetting to thank God and live uh, like this. One who returned fell on his face before Jesus. I don't know what you picture there, but you picture someone falling on his face at the feet of Jesus and giving praise and thanksgiving and, and uh, just expressing his heart to the, to the Lord Jesus at his feet. And I, I think we can all fall into that category. Many times we, we take for granted many things, but uh, I think there should be times in our lives where this does, uh, is our experience as well, where we are very grateful, we take time to... Uh, to recognize uh, and thank the Lord for the gifts that we have, many things in life that uh, we can take for granted, just the privilege of sleeping, a peaceful and resting peacefully last night. I'm assuming all of you, and I hope all of you rested peacefully last night and were able to sleep in your bed, and you wake up with strength to go about your day and after my uh, illness two, two years ago, I was determined never to start a day without thanking the Lord for the ability to sleep and rest and wake up healthy and work. But I must say that uh, there have been days that I have forgotten. But many days I start my day just thanking the Lord for that. During that time, I read the book, The Gift of Pain, and... Uh, the author describes his experience working in a leprosy clinic amongst many patients that uh, lost their ability to feel pain. Lepers, uh, Leprosy was very common in, in Bible times. Even in Jesus' time, uh, that was very much a part of their lives, they would uh, deal with leprosy, and that was part of the commandment that Jesus gave to the disciples, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers. Now, when I was ordained to ministry, I wasn't assigned the assignment to go cleanse the lepers, because I never met a leper, but in Jesus' time, leprosy was uh, common. And in the gift of pain, he uh, shares the the story of working with patients like that when they lose their ability to feel pain. He saw a, a young girl, I believe it was, who uh, walked into her room. She had leprosy and she couldn't feel any pain and he saw her just eating her fingers. Just blood just uh, 
all over the place and, and she had no ability to feel any sense of pain and, and the tragic result of living that way. And he came to appreciate uh, the gift of pain. The title of the book is The Gift of Pain and try to imagine living life without pain. It would not be a good way to live. So we shy away from pain. But uh, leprosy had uh, part of that where in this story there was ten lepers. And uh, it was the, the account took place as Jesus entered through Samaria and Galilee. So this happened in a village. We don't know exactly where, but it says that Jesus went to, as he went to Jerusalem in verse 11, that he passed through Samaria, the midst of Samaria and Galilee, and as he entered into a certain village. So the story takes place in a certain village around Samaria and Galilee, and uh, there were ten lepers who met Jesus. Just a little bit about the plague of, of leprosy. Leviticus 13 and 14 give uh, detailed uh, laws in regards to leprosy. And the priest was the one who was to uh, examine someone who had leprosy and to uh, give the diagnosis that they were truly had leprosy. They were considered unclean. So when the priest would uh, examine someone with leprosy, they would give them the uh, tag of being unclean or they were assigned a quarantine life. They lived a quarantine life. So that's what we see here when Jesus passed through the village. They were stood afar off and they were separated and isolated from uh, the uh, other people. They faced rejection from the public, and it was a difficult way to live, and they were dying a slow death. Apart from a miracle, this disease got worse and worse and worse, and eventually uh, uh, they would die. And so this was not a good disease to have. We read about leprosy. We cannot really, I cannot really relate to that, but this was uh, very difficult to uh, experience this disease. Leprosy is also a type of sin. I believe sin is also that way, that it, it takes a control of a person's life and, and it just takes them down and eventually leads them to eternal death. So there's a, a type of, leprosy is a type of sin. I have two points this morning. The first one is a true faith and the second one is a True gratitude and thankfulness. So a true faith and true thankfulness and gratitude. And I want to go through this story, this text, and uh, let it be a challenge and a blessing to, to each of us as we think about Jesus' words in this uh, story, Where Are the Nine? A true faith. As I mentioned, this took place in a, in a village and Jesus came through. So first thing that we see here is a divine encounter. 
Every one of us needs an experience where we meet the Lord, we have a divine encounter, and here we have ten lepers who uh, met Jesus, and they stood afar off in verse 12. As Jesus came through the village, they knew Jesus, and they uh, met Jesus. They recognized Jesus, and you can tell by the way they cried out, and they called upon his name, and they begged for mercy, that they believed that Jesus was the Son of God, and that Jesus had the power to heal, and Jesus was the only answer for their life. And I think uh, we can make some uh, applications to this in our own experience as well. Every one of us, before we can be saved, we need a, a divine encounter, a time in our lives where we meet Jesus. Not physically, but uh, we believe in Jesus and we reach out by faith, believing in the same way these lepers called out to him. They recognized Jesus as the Son of God. They recognized that Jesus had the answers and the power to heal. They recognized, they stood afar off, they recognized their condition and their need, and they placed their faith on Jesus and cried out to him. So they experienced a divine encounter. That is uh, necessary for every person who is saved. We must come to a place in our life where we meet the Lord. We have a divine encounter where we experience uh, God coming into our life and we cry out, place our faith in Jesus Christ and recognize our need, recognize the power of God, recognize who Jesus is, and experience meeting him. As we see here, the, the lepers met Jesus. A divine encounter. The second lesson uh, that we uh, can draw from this is we see a desperate cry. When you read this story, you can just picture this most likely was outside and you see 10 of them in a group, 10 lepers who were quarantined and unclean and dying a slow death. They meet Jesus, and you see by the, uh, the verse says here that they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So they lifted up their voices, and in this I see a desperate cry. This is not just... A, uh, a normal conversation or a uh, just, I, I picture here, they lifted up their voices. This was Jesus, maybe across the street or let your imagination run as you picture this certain village. Jesus comes through and they recognize him. And they lifted up their voices in desperation. They cried out to God. And I think this is important that we can recognize this in our own lives as well. We need a divine encounter, but we also need to come to the place where we cry out to God. There's many verses in the Bible we could look at where uh, it talks about crying out. A sinner's cry is a desperate cry. For help. And we face uh, circumstances in life sometimes, whether it's physical illness or difficulties in life or whatever it is, throughout life it, it is not always easy. 
And there are times in our lives where we face difficulties that are bigger than us and that are, are extremely difficult and look impossible and we cannot understand life always. And we come to the place for salvation. We must come to the place where we cry out to God in faith, raising our voices and in desperation needing help and recognizing who God is and who Jesus is and what Jesus can do in our life and how we need help. It's, it's a desperate cry. And I think the Lord loves that. As you picture these ten men living a difficult life, dying a slow death, realizing that apart from a miracle from God, they will eventually die, and this is a miserable life, and who would ever want to live that way? A quarantined life is not an easy life to live. This year we know a little bit about quarantine and those kinds of difficulties, and it, it is not easy, and that is what they were going through here, a quarantined life, dying a, a slow death. They cried out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Look upon us in mercy. In other words, they were saying, would you heal us? Deliver us from this condition. Psalm 40 is one where David talks about this, this desperate cry we can see in the life of David. His life was not easy at all. In Psalm 40, he says this, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up out of a horrible pit and out of the merry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. He put a new song in my mouth and even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. David cried out. David knew what it's like to cry out to God, and he says God brought him up out of a horrible pit. I don't know what the horrible pit was and out of the merry clay, but you picture the horrible pit as an undesirable place, an experience in life that is difficult. And he cried out to the Lord, and he says the Lord brought him up out of the horrible pit and out of the merry clay, and he set his feet upon a rock. And established his goings, and he put a song in his mouth and praises unto our God. And many shall see it and fear and trust in the Lord. I see there a desperate cry, someone who learned how to cry out to God. And the point that I have here for us to consider, looking back into uh, in your life, to your salvation experience and relate Hopefully you can relate to this crying out in desperation, just coming to God and crying out. Maybe an experience in life that was very difficult. Physical illness, financial difficulties, whatever it is, sometimes they can be and feel like Mary Clay where you're stuck in the merry clay and you just feel like you're stuck and you're not getting anywhere and you have no human ability to get out of this and you're 
going through the motions but not getting anywhere, and he cries out to God, and God brought him up out of that experience and out of that and set his feet upon a rock, which is stability and purpose, and he established his going. So even David, the great man of God, who he was, found himself in a horrible pit and in Mary Clay. And all of us can, can find experiences in our lives where we feel that way. Things are not going like we like. But the challenge that I want to leave for everyone, do we know how to cry out? Placing our faith in Jesus Christ and meeting the Lord through life, all through life. Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that verse there, I believe, calling upon the name of the Lord has a picture there of crying out. There is a uh, questions that uh, Paul shares in, in Romans 10 there. He says, how will someone call on someone they do not believe? And how will they believe in someone they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? And how will they preach unless they're sent? How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel. So how will someone call out, cry out in someone they do not believe? We first need to have faith. that Jesus is the Son of God and that he has the power to heal and that he has the power to deliver and he has the power to, to help us with grace to, to deliver us and and uh, help us in our time of need. And then how will someone believe if they never heard? Think about those that have never heard. Parts of the world that have never heard. So how will they hear if no one is preaching and how will they preach unless uh, the church sends? So crying out. It's beautiful to see someone Cry out to God. Sometimes that is pictured with tears and weeping. I've had the privilege of sitting with people who just wept, crying out to God and, and placing their faith in the Lord. Jesus saw their faith. As, as they lifted up their voice, cried out to Jesus, have mercy on us. It says in verse 14, Jesus, when Jesus saw them, he said unto them, go show yourself unto the priest. And it came to pass as they went, they were cleansed. So Jesus, when he saw them, I believe this uh, verse, it, I believe he saw them, but I believe really what I see here is when Jesus saw their faith, when he saw their desperate cry, when he saw them crying out like this, Jesus said, just go show yourself to the priest. Now for us, not living under the law, uh, we, we don't uh, maybe know this as well, but these men here were, I believe nine were Jews and the one was a Samaritan, but they understood what Jesus meant. He was referring to the, uh, the law, the Old Testament law of Leviticus 13 and 14, where when a person was experiencing healing, they had to go back to the priest, and the priest would examine them whether they're healed or not. And then if they're healed, there were uh, cleansing laws that they had to offer sacrifices and, 
and do many things under the law for their cleansing. So when Jesus said to them, when he saw their faith, he said, go show yourself to the priest, which was a test. It was really a test where Jesus was looking at them and he was testing them. Because he didn't heal them on the spot. He had the power to heal, and they would all just look, and everything's gone. They're completely healed. But he said, go to the Jerusalem, show yourself to the priest. And they understood. The priest would examine them. He would, uh, he would be the one who would say whether they're healed or not, and whether they could go back to a normal life under the Old Testament law. So I believe there's a lesson here as well. Jesus required obedience to the law. And he wanted them to believe in his words. So these ten had to go, head to Jerusalem to the priest, and have faith. This required a great level of faith as Jesus told them to go show yourself to the priest. Faith and obedience must go together. We're talking about a true faith. Some people understand faith to be just a theology or a belief system, but uh, the Anabaptist understood faith to be connected to repentance and obedience. Without obedience, there is no true faith, and I believe there's, there's uh, truth to that. When you have a true and a living faith, there will be actions connected to it. And you will be one who is obeying the, the word of the Lord and obeying and, and doing as these ten. They began to go, and as they went, and I love this, it says that as they went, they were healed and cleansed. So it was not right on the spot, but Jesus said, go, and cleansing and healing happened as they obeyed the Lord. <clears throat> this required faith without sight and this is difficult and this is where it gets difficult for us to believe the words of God without seeing proof we like to see things we like to look and and see evidence before we can believe but Jesus said go show yourself to the priest and as they went they believed the words of the Lord and they believed that somewhere along the way there would have to be a miracle happen. As they're walking back, the miracle would take place somehow, somewhere. Jesus would touch them because if they were not healed, the priest would send them right back into a quarantine life and an unclean uh, condition. I believe it's the same for us that many people do not receive from God because they do not believe. We want to see things before we'll believe them. Thomas is known as uh, Doubting Thomas. Sometimes we call Thomas Doubting Thomas because Thomas was one who said, unless I see the nail-scarred hands of Jesus, unless I can put my hand in his side, I will not believe. And Jesus was merciful and gracious to Thomas, and Jesus appeared to him, and Jesus went up to Thomas, and he said, touch, touch my fingers, and put your hand in my side. And Thomas put his hand in his side, 
And then Thomas, because he was able to see, he reached out in faith and said, My Lord and my God. And Jesus answered him and said, Because you have seen, you believe. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. And that's us today. We need to believe, even though we never had the privilege of seeing Jesus personally. Today, I believe healing and salvation and miracles and God's work in your life happen in the same way. Salvation will not happen in your life unless you can believe without seeing. You must believe, and I say this many times to many people, that you must look by faith to the cross where Jesus died, and you must walk by faith, Calvary's mountain or wherever it was, and you must by faith kneel at the cross, and you must by faith look up and receive from God the blessings of God without actually seeing. You must respond in faith without actually seeing. And then as God begins to work in your life, this is true in your life as well, where we must live by faith. There is times in our lives where we must believe without seeing. We must, as the ten lepers, Jesus told them, go show yourself to the priest, and they began to walk. Sometimes we need to get up, we need to begin to walk, we need to believe God, we need to believe in the power of God, we need to cry out and say, God, I can't do it, but you can, and believe it. This is a true faith, the just shall live by faith, not sight. There will be a time, Lord willing, all of us that walk by faith and live by faith and are faithful to God, we will, our faith will return into sight and we will see Jesus someday. But today, we must live by faith and walk by faith. Many heroes in the Bible, we can look at the life of Abraham. <clears throat> Abraham is a hero. He was a man of faith who lived and walked by faith. And he's a model of New Testament Christianity because of his faith. He left all, not knowing where he was going. We read that, and, and yet, uh, I don't believe we can wrap our minds around what that required of Abraham. He waited 25 years for the promised son to be born. We read that, and I don't know that we can really wrap our minds around living 25 years waiting for the promise and blessing of God. 25 years is a long time, and he lived through pain, waiting and waiting and waiting on God, just believing in the promise, believing the word of God, and finally, the promised son was born. And then God tested his faith again, said, I want you to take your promised son and offer him as a sacrifice. The greatest test of all, Abraham knew what it's like to live and walk by faith. Unbelief separates us from God. And uh, when we live in unbelief, we depart from God. It says in Hebrews 3.12, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. So unbelief will separate us from God. Faith connects us to God. 
and the just live and walk by faith. Second point is true thanksgiving, true gratitude. Part of the story that uh, is gripping as the ten went. They were healed and cleansed, so let your imagination run. Ten of them turned around, heading toward Jerusalem, and as they're walking, they're talking to each other, and, and uh, they all begin to see their hands or whatever it was uh, healed. They were cleansed. Now, I don't know what all went on. We don't have all the details of the story, but it tells us that one of them, they were most likely talking to each other, going fast, and, and ten of them kept right on going to Jerusalem like they were told to, but one was so touched. He was a Samaritan. He was so touched in his heart by this, as we should be touched in our heart. One Samaritan turned around and went back while the other nine went on. I don't know if there was a discussion between the, the nine and the one or if, if one of them just was so moved he didn't even tell them anything. He just turned around and went back to Jesus running. And I picture this man was filled with uh, zeal and, and uh a heart of gratitude that moved him to return back. He glorified God, it says, with a loud voice. Is it okay to come to God with a loud voice sometimes? Raising your voice in praise. I don't know what all he said. It just says that he turned around. One of them, when he was, saw that he was healed, he looked and he saw healing happen, turned back and with a loud voice, glorified God. That's all we have in the story, verse 15. So with a loud voice, he cried out again in praise and thanksgiving, glorifying God. He recognized the gift he received. His heart was filled with gratitude to the point that he turned back and he came to the feet of Jesus, recognizing the gift that he was given. Sometimes it takes time. He took time and effort to return to the feet of Jesus. He took extra time where he could be almost up to Jerusalem already. And he spent that time while the rest went toward Jerusalem to, to just give thanks to God. And the challenge that I have here is that sometimes I believe it's good to just slow down and take some time to... Uh, to thank the Lord, live a life this way. He, it says that he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, and I'm not sure what this looked like. I, I picture him just falling down before the Lord at Jesus' feet. He came before the Lord and fell on his face. And the question I ask here, is this a, a posture that you can relate to in your prayers. Has there ever been a time when you came before the Lord falling on your face? Now, I don't know that it would be real appropriate in a large setting like this, but this is one of my postures in prayers. Sometimes I pray this way, and I think it's right. 
you can uh, correct me afterward if, if, if I'm wrong in this, but I just picture him falling on his face before the Lord and just coming down before the Lord. And I believe this is uh, sometimes, like I mentioned, I think we should have this posture in prayer. Not always. I, some, I pray sitting down. I pray standing up. I pray driving down the road. I pray many different ways. I'm not saying that this is the only posture, but I believe this is a posture that, uh, that is appropriate at, at times. When you have a quiet place and when you're going through something in life or maybe just praise. Here we have a person who's just filled with praise and he falls down on his face before the Lord. Maybe this was kneeling. I'm not sure how it, it uh, really looked, but his heart was just touched and he voluntarily gave thanks to the Lord. And this is where Jesus, I believe, was, was so touched by this. When we are able to, uh, to do this, I believe the Lord is blessed and touched and he just says where are the nine were there not ten cleansed there really there really ought to be ten on their face before the Lord if you have been healed like this and you uh, do not take time to just thank the Lord for such a healing as this I believe it shows ingratitude so the nine kept going one came back and that's where Jesus said where are the nine there really ought to be ten here many times and many people receive the gifts of God and blessings of God and go their own way I believe this is the challenge and the, the lesson here is that salvation you think about salvation is such a marvelous and glorious experience for every one of us and salvation, those who are saved and redeemed, ought to have this as part of their, their praise and, and uh, prayers, just thanking the Lord for salvation. And then his work in our lives, when he works in our lives, this is, uh, I believe, so many times we can be caught like the nine, just going our own way, receiving the gifts of God and, and not really taking the time to thank the Lord and praise the Lord. Jesus said to him and answered to this one, Samaritan, he says, in verse 19, he said unto them, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. So I believe one was made whole and nine were cleansed. I heard it explained that way and I like that picture there, one was made whole, and one displayed thankfulness and gratefulness and coming back to the feet of Jesus, and after we're saved, we are to live our life at the feet of Jesus and experiencing time with God and a relationship with God and coming back to Him and walking with Him and living our life there while the others went their way. Who knows what their lives were like? a year or five years later, received the gifts and went their own way. True, true gratitude comes 
when we come back to the feet of Jesus, I believe that shows true gratitude in our hearts. So a few applications from this uh, lesson, from this text for our lives. A question, what is your leprosy? What is it in your life that you're struggling with? Is it a physical illness? Is it an impossibility or a difficulty in your life? Is it a, a besetting sin or something you're wrestling with in your life that you just can't break free from? Sometimes people live with besetting sins and, and uh, they overcome a person. They just can't break free. Whatever it is, what, what is your leprosy? And what is it that you're going through in your life that you are struggling with? Or maybe... You're at the place where you never really had a divine encounter, a true experience with Jesus Christ, where you truly came to the cross for the first time and you cried out to God for salvation, recognizing your sin and recognizing your need and recognizing your lost condition. Maybe you need that experience in your life where you need to come by faith to the Lord Jesus Christ. Second question is, what is your desperate cry for help? And can you relate to this desperate cry? Where you have an experience coming to the Lord and you just cry out. Psalm 34, this poor man cried and the Lord heard him and delivered him out of all of his uh, troubles. So what is your desperate cry? I want to encourage you to cry out to God in faith, believing in Jesus' power and ability to uh, help in time of need. Are you like the one, or are you like the nine? Which describes your life the best? I believe if we're all honest, we can relate to the nine. Times in our life where we are receiving the gifts of God. We don't really think about it until they're taken away, and then we really cry out more, and sometimes God takes things away from us because he wants us to cry out. He wants us to recognize our blessings. He wants us to uh, live in thankfulness and gratitude, and sometimes God takes away. It's not that he's against us, but I believe that uh, he wants us to live life at the feet of Jesus and and be growing in our gratitude and thankfulness. So are you like the one or like the other nine? And lastly, Jesus wants to make you whole. Jesus, as he did here with the, the one who came back, Jesus said to him, thy faith hath made thee whole. Because he came back, he experienced ongoing grace an ongoing forgiveness, an ongoing work where God continued to work in his life and his faith made the whole. Jesus said, your faith made you whole. So Jesus wants you completely healed. Jesus wants you victorious in your life. Jesus wants you to be strong in your faith and to be one who has a faith that believes without seeing and a faith that produces uh, works where you 
follow God and let God work in your life and he is making you whole and restoring your life and working in your life in, in many ways. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this text in the Bible, the story of the ten lepers and how we can look at this story and make applications to our life. We can uh, get a picture and a glimpse into your heart, how you love when people live with true gratitude and praise and live their life at the feet of Jesus, experience uh, crying out and a faith that saves and a faith that heals and a faith that delivers and a faith that restores. And I pray and ask God that you would give us all a new level of that faith and a new level of uh, gratitude and praise and thanksgiving as we uh, look at this lesson this morning. Bless us in our walk and bless us uh, as we live our lives for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs>